Blog Talk Radio. Grog and Prague. I'm going to start bringing my co-hosts on the call. This is Michelle, and let's see who we have first. Hello, you're live on our podcast, our very first podcast. Hello. Hi, Hi. how are you? I can hear you just fine, Rob. I'm fine. Uh, didn't win the lottery, so I thought I'd turn up. Oh, great. Well, thank you for being here. Um... The call has already started, and I did the small intro, and we're just waiting for the rest of the people to join us. But uh, while we're waiting for them, Rob, thank you so much for coming up with this great idea and having this podcast for us to get a chance to get together with some wonderful people and have some exciting guests on and just have a really great time. So I'm I'm hoping other people will be here shortly. Um, I'm not sure. Um, Is there any song or anything I can play in the meantime that you would like? Mm, No. No other songs? Crystal just said, Crystal just said, call now. So I said, yeah. Great. Great. Well, here she is. Here she is. Great. Yep. Here she is. Hello, Crystal. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Rob is here. Breathing. Breathing in and out. Good morning, Rob. (laughs) Hello. 3 a.m. for Rob. Oh, here's Steve. Let's Steve on the call. Yeah, I've got no such me. I'm online. Hello, Steve. Hello, Steve. Welcome. We're all here. Great. Well, let me make an official introduction of everybody now that we're all here. Um, As I said at the start of the show, this is our pilot, our first podcast for Grog in Prague. And uh, my name is Michelle. I'm joined by Rob. Steve and Crystal, and thank you all for being here. It's very exciting to have some wonderful things to talk about, Prague music and people involved with Prague and um, whatever other items we can think of that are related. Now, I know that this was supposed to be our holiday show, and it was going to be done right before Christmas. But, um, you know, things happen over the holidays, and not uh, everything can be planned out. So we were able to reschedule for today, 
And um, we're going to start out the podcast whenever she's ready. Crystal. Yes, Rob. Crystal. Yes. Uh, That's Rob. We've got Paul Manel on. I've got Paul Manel on inbox asking when the Skype button comes up. And it should be on there now. Yes, it should be on there now. Okay, so I'm on the credits. I want now. So I'll tell him. Uh, I'll let him know that it's on now, and he can refresh. Yeah, yeah. I can see it in front of me. Okay, so um, Crystal, I know that you have um, done a couple of reviews for us. And whenever okay. you're ready, I did a little bit of a review, yeah. Um, Some exciting music, yes. Yeah, first of all, um, thank you, Rob, for sending me the CDs. I know that was time and money out of your pocket, and I really appreciate it. Well, it's going to be well worth it, well worth it in the end. Yeah, so, um, second thing, um... Actually, the first the first thing I want to say about the the Marillion CDs, um, or the, I really really love the artwork. I, that just kind of jumped out at me. Um, the artwork of Mark Wilkinson. So, so which uh, which albums are we talking about here? We are talking about script, uh, script, script for yeah. gestures here. Yeah, and Fugazi, I think that's how you pronounce it. Fugazi, yep. Okay. Yeah, so um, the fish I really, really, really like the artwork. That that just that yeah, that's, that's, that's what I like the most. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an artist called Mark Wilkinson that does all that artwork. He's super yeah. awesome. Excellent. So, um, yeah, Rob asked me to just kind of go over what I liked what I liked about... Um, did you want me to talk about um, Palace first, Rob? No, no. You, really, you. Talk about Marillion first. I'm going to leave that Marillion, okay. Um, well, I will start with my favorite CD, and that is Misplaced Childhood. Right. Um, I think my favorite track is track two, Kaylee. Um, really, really nice song. <laughs> That's the well-known yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. My friend Deborah mentioned that one, and then after I listened to it, it was like, oh yeah, this is really good. So that's, um, that's what the that's that's what the uh, that's what the known fans will say. Though you won't you won't get the major fans saying Kaylee. No. Right. Right. So was that? Once you really get into them, you'll you'll pick up on the the, the longer tracks and. Uh, Get more into that. Yeah, Kaylee was a massive hit in the UK. It was uh, a number number two hit. That that probably had the most radio play, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, great song. And Lavender Um, was also a big hit. Which one? Lavender, track three. That was a big hit. Lavender, that's what I was going to say. That's my my second favorite after (laughs) that one. I have that one written down for my second favorite. Very good. Um... They they seem to have um, sort of a rock opera feel to me. Does does anybody else feel that way? Well, it is. It's a it's a concept album. That's what basically. I was going to ask. I actually about have his, that written in my life. notes. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, it's Fish, who's the the vocalist and lyric writer. It's it's basically all about his life. Um, there's there's bits that are obvious and bits that are less obvious, but it all dovetails in. And the more you know about him, the more you get out of the album. Okay, yeah, that's kind of the feel that I got. That it was their concept albums. Are all um, all three of these? Well, no, no, just that one. Just that one. Oh, the other two are concept albums. No. Okay, I was wondering because um, Bugatti has this one and this two. It was a little, it's a little bit longer, but maybe it's just because it has a different mix. Um, well, disc two is just all the bonus tracks and things. The original right, is just okay. one album. Okay. Yeah. So and um, so I really like track six as well. Waterhole. Waterhole. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great song. Great song. And the last one, White Feather, is probably my favorite one off of that album. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. One interesting fact about that album that um, some people might not get is that um, the um, the track Milo on um, on on side of the old side too, whereas I remember Toronto when Milo went down and the interviewer threatened me with a microphone. Milo is um, a guy who was in a band called Rage, who used to play with Marillion quite a bit, a band from Liverpool, and uh, he was the drummer, and uh, I believe he was the drummer, and uh, he died. And it was it affected Fish quite deeply when he died. So that's the thing about when Milo went down. It's basically when he died, and he, it's sort of like not wanting to be bothered, but people are shoving microphones in his face, and so that's where that uh, that lyric comes from. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank God we got you on. Thank God we got you on here doing that because I didn't know that even. So. All right. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, yeah, I think his name is Dave Milo or something like that. But uh, yeah, that's who he was. Okay, yeah, interesting. Okay, so um, the second um, uh, the script for Jester's Tear um, is my second CD review. Um, track two, He Knows You Know. It's a pretty interesting song. Yeah, another hit single. Yeah. It's a smaller yeah, hit, but the, the first hit, actually. Very, very yeah, dark song. the first. Yeah. What what is their first album? That is their first album. This is the first one? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it is. I really like that one. And then track six, Forgotten Forgotten Sons. It's probably the least of my favorite CDs (sighs) out of the three. Um, But I I like those two tracks. Yeah, the thing with that album is I still, uh, as a as a fan going back to right the early days I, from before they released that album, um, that album for me has my favourite material, but it's not recorded as well. The production's not that good, and they were a bit they were weren't quite as comfortable in the studio. And mm-hmm. I think it, I think it shows on that. I think if they'd recorded that material a couple of years later, it would have been a lot better. I see. Yeah, but it's, um, you know, it's pretty good. Overall, I, I liked all of it. Um, okay, so, Bugatti, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, yes, you are. It's, um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, um, I think it was, it was it, it Korean or North Korean slang, but for, oh no, it's Vietnamese, 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 it was uh, it's, it's sort of like slang for that. It's totally fugazi, means totally wow. 
Totally yeah, it's, got mention on the, it's got a mention on the title track about a uh, Vietnamese file. You're right, yep. And so this world okay. is totally for Garvey. So, um, track three, Jigsaw. Um, ah. Enjoyed that one. Great track. Um, Superb track. Yeah, if you guys, I mean, I don't honestly don't know much about, um, you know, what the songs are about. Um, the the lyrics are really interesting. Um, Rob pointed out one time um, that they're very poetic, which they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's very interesting. But if you guys know anything, that's, that's the resist. You know, that's the resist in rock. That's the resist in rock as far as I'm concerned. So he was given a lot of time in the eighties by the the media, very hard time. But as far as I'm concerned, that's the resist. There is in rock. Oh, yes, yes. Absolutely, absolutely superb. Um, interestingly, I mean, one of the, Rob probably knows this, but um, one of the tracks on the album, She Chameleon, dates way back to before the first album. Uh, it was in Marillion's um, repertoire, 1981-82, but with completely different music. They actually yeah, dropped it from... I've got the... Uh, got a bootleg with the... Uh, yeah, the rehearsal, you know the rehearsal tape? You know the rehearsal tape? Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, I've got that, and there's a lot yeah. of uh, there's a lot of songs on that that turn into different songs. Yeah, haunting a hill house and things like that. Yeah, but um, she chameleon. I, I, think I, 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 I think Forgotten Sons was one of them, wasn't it? Forgotten Sons was you was something else, and it was. Yeah, I'm sure Forgotten Sons yeah. was something else. Yeah. Angel, there was Smell Angel. I'm sure that might be part of that. <laughs> yeah, but the but the track she chameleon itself, the, the the music from the like the, the original was very very different. It was quite upbeat. Uh, quite genesis-y in a sort of in a way, but it got dropped and the, the music got scrapped for some reason. But then they reactivated the lyrics with totally different music when they uh, recorded Fugazi, which is a strange thing to do. But I like both versions, but the original never got a release. Yeah, I got a former girlfriend who gave me the tape. She just gave me mm. just like that. Yeah. I had, a, I had a little bit of a, a harder time um, with that one. I don't, it, it's not, it didn't really reach out and grab me like some of the others. It's um, possibly a harder album to get Quite different. Mm. Yeah. Quite different. Um, yeah, the title track, Bugatti, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, Cinderella Search is good. Oh, Cinderella such is brilliant. That wasn't on the original yeah, album. Yeah, we we're that. going into that. We're playing that actually after we talked about we were playing. We're going to yeah. play that. It was actually the B-side to uh, the single Assassin. Yeah. And so Assassin, um, I like the alternate mix um, better than um, the first one. Um, that one has a great intro. I love the intro to that one. Great beat. Um, Incubus, great song. So that's that's pretty much my review on Merlion. Okay, um, I believe at this point we're gonna play Tony Rella Search and um, give people a taste. I just like to say before you do, Michelle, we've got uh, we might have a problem with Paul is telling me that he's taking them to register or sign in. I told him to sign in, but he said yeah. he's got a Skype account. 
he, sh- he should be able to. No, it's, it's it's not your Skype account. If you just sign, if you just click the Facebook icon icon which says sign in, you can like log in through Facebook and that and it'll take you straight in. I have to do that. <clears throat> Let everybody go ahead and play the song while you guys work on I that. I think that's a good idea, yeah. So this is Cinderella's Search by Marillion. Here we go.
is dedicated to all the people who take Polaroid photographs of her girlfriend or boyfriend. These toys were absolutely designed for the bedroom. The problem, you don't have to go through the laboratories to get the films out. This is a song about when the boy and the girl split up, and in the bottom drawer there are always the Polaroid photographs. This is the nightmare of the return of the missing pornographic photograph. These are heist incubus. Okay, so that was Cinderella's search. And Crystal, um, I know that you... Yeah, I don't know if Steve wanted to... Uh, I don't know if... Michelle? I don't know if Steve wanted yeah. to... Uh, he, he said he wanted to talk back because he was there on that tour. Okay, so if you want fine. to add anything to that. I certainly was, yes. In fact, um, I went to that that, um, that particular tour when they were touring for Gazi twice. Um, I saw them at uh, Liverpool and at Manchester. Um, that was actually the first tour when they moved Forgotten Sons from the traditional set closer to the encore. And in fact, after that, it got shuffled out of the set after that tour, which was a great shame to me because it, it was a fantastic live number. Um, but they were still absolutely superb at that, at that time, and uh, every show was a little bit different. I mean, the very first time I saw them was in 90, early 1982 at the Marquee in London, uh, which was like a year before the first album. Um, they didn't have a record contract at that time. But it was incredible because the Marquee is, is a, a small club. It's just, uh, it, 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 I mean, it was a famous club. Everybody played at the Marquee, but it only held about 300 people, 350. And... When I saw them that first time in early '82, there was, it wasn't full. There were maybe you know 200, 250 people in, uh, and the show was astonishing. And there was such a buzz about them at the, t at the time, and everybody was like, "Oh, I've got to tell people about this." And when I went to the next, the next time I saw them, which was only four months later, uh, I got there and there was a queue down the street. Uh, I managed to get in, but hundreds of people were locked out. And uh, it was absolutely packed in there, and that was in the space of four months. And within eight months after that, they'd recorded the album and sold out two nights at uh, the Hammersmith Odeon, which held 5,000, which is an incredible rise for wow, a band in a year. It's just, there was, there was such, there was such a momentum behind them at that time. It was just, it was inevitable they were going to get big. I think that, um, I think the marquee with the marquee. Marquee with instrumental right behind all that. The Marquee, yeah. Although it, uh, it it didn't work for everyone because I mean I saw Palace and Pendragon as well at the Marquee and Sol Solstice, and while they had are obviously success, none of it compared to Marillion. You know, Marillion were always they, they were always like one step above everyone else. Good as the others were, Marillion were just they were obviously, you know, market leaders if you like. And it was it was just obvious from seeing them at that time. It was so obvious they were going to be big. I've never I've never seen a band like it where you just knew. And of course, they were on a local they were on a local news show over here. That's before they were really big, and they were at Rock City, I think it was. Mm. And they were doing they were on selected disc on Market Street, and that was that was before they hit the charts. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Right. Still yeah, I mean, indeed, I mean, within within another two years from the first album coming out, uh, they actually headlined a, a big, a huge UK opener venue called the Milton Keynes Bowl, which 
held about, well, it must have held 100,000 people. And they, ha they headlined an all-day event there called the Meridian Garden Party, where, if memory serves me right, I think Jethro Tull were on the same bill, uh, well, I think Gary Moore, possibly. And, you know, so they'd, they'd gone from playing small clubs to headlining the field, you know, within, within three years. Which is absolutely didn't incredible. They do, uh, didn't they do? Uh, didn't they do an Abbey with uh, Jaffa? It was an, it was an Abbey. Oh, it was Abbey. Nostal, Nostal, like Abbey. Nostal Priory. You think yeah, of the Nostal Priory Festival? Yeah. That was the year before the yeah. Garden Party. Yeah, I went to that one. Um, yeah, that's when. That's when. Yeah, they, they had Jethro Tull supporting them that night because, and the reason they did that was because they appeared. Uh, a support to Jethro Tull at a festival the year before and then they the star had ascended so much that they had overtaken them become bigger and they invited Jethro Tull to, to support them as returning the compliment which is quite amazing yeah hmm. I'm the worst that's true and we've got I just like but anyway, we got Paul that's got major problems here and we've got his mobile, can't say it on air of course. Yeah. But I don't um, know if someone wants to call him and get this would you like, out. He said he's yeah. giving permission to call him. I'll g I'll I'll give him a call and see if I can sort it out with him. Yeah, if 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 he if he can't get in on that, maybe he can he can dial directly in. But Perfect. I'll I'll see what I can uh, see what I can do. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not using it the way you're using, so you better tell him because I'm not uh, Yeah, well, yeah I'm not. I, I haven't had the problems that he's apparently having. So whether I can help, I don't know. But I'll give it a go. Great. Okay, so I'll get back to you. Okay, great. Crystal, do you want to talk to us a bit about powers? Um, sure. I <laughs> actually don't have a whole lot written down about powers. That's um, okay. Um, I do. I did listen to the whole thing um, a couple of times. Um, it's a pretty interesting group. Um, the first track I really, really liked. Um, the very beginning of the song, Rob, what is the name of the first song on that album? On the watch. Because, um, well, you, uh, sent me, you sent me a recorded disc, so I didn't have the titles of any of the songs. I haven't played it, I haven't played it for a while, so... Uh. Okay. It it starts out, it, it has sort of a YYZ feel to it um, by Rush, um, which I really, really like. Um, obviously, Bob and I kind of hit it off friendship-wise um, because of our love for Rush. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it sounded a lot like that to me. Um, pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. Um, like I said, I don't I don't have a whole lot written down for. Palace, That's okay. That's okay. Um, so Rob, Rob. So the the one thing the one thing with the uh, one thing that album I feel it's still a very accessible album to this day. Uh, you you put it on and you you swear it could have been made like last week. Oh, oh, Palace. You know I mean? Very accessible music? album. Yeah, very accessible. Very accessible album to this day, 30 years later. So, Rob, I have a question for you. Yeah. Wedge Before Wedge? Uh -huh. Is that the song? 
Oh yeah, yeah. No, we, no, we'll, we'll get onto that when <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> um, we get Paul Manalo. Okay, because you had me to play. You had asked me to play Imagination, but I don't see that on the list here. Well, uh, it should be. It's not. Remember, I've got them. Remember, I've got them under different names. Remember, I know remember that's why I'm asking you. That's why I said which before which uh, is that the song? No, 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 no. Hang on. No, that's a little link. I've got. Uh, Tell me what you got there. Tell me what you got there. I've got coup, coup to get Dave to guest. Don't panic if we don't get Paul to guest. And then I know it's for Crystal's sake. And then we just played Cinderella search. And then wedge before wedge and wood for yeah, the wood. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we have got it. Yeah, that is. That's what they call it. I call it. I that's call what it I wish, just said. Uh, I call it wedge to wedge. Yeah. That's sorry. what I just said. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Yeah, so now cool, for yeah. your for your listening enjoyment, here's some palace for you. Here you go.
I'd just like to say that's why I said uh, uh, Reg, let's go Ridge because Ridge, Ridge is a nickname for the keyboardist in IQ, Martin Orford. So get it, Reg to Ridge. Sorry? Well, we have our call. We have our call. Yeah. Are we, hey, how are you doing? We're, we're going to do the IQ. Right, Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for calling in. So sorry you were having Good morning. problems. No, no problem, sir, about the problems I've been having experience and getting through. But um, we speak now. That was a very hectic 40 minutes. I'm uh, so sorry about that. <clears throat> Not enough. Thank you for your diligence, sir. Don't worry about it. That's absolutely fine. How's things? Things are very good. I'm yeah. Michelle, and I'm here with Steve oh, and Rob yeah. and Chris. Okay. We're so excited to have you on our show. Oh, that's great. It's very, it's very kind good of you. Good morning. <laughs> morning. Okay, everybody, I'm very excited to introduce our guest, and Steve, and we'll just let you kind of take it from here. So here we go. Hiya, Paul, yeah. Um, yeah, just... Uh, a bit of a chat, obviously, about uh, you know your days with IQ. People want to know about that. But um, first yeah. of all, before we get to that, there's um, your solo career that you're sort of uh, you're actively pursuing at the moment. moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you. Um, it, I, I, I saw you when you you appeared at the on the Summer's End Festival. Was it about three years ago now? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was good fun. I dragged um, I dragged Martin Orford out of the, out of the vaults. That's and right, yeah. um, put him behind the keyboard for for the first time in a, in a little while. Uh, it was great yeah. hooking up with him, and yeah, um, yeah it was it, it was it was good. It was a obviously that was a Paul Manel band, and um, it seemed yeah. like a good uh, obviously twenty fifth anniversary of uh, of Noms Armo, which was yeah. an album that that really introduced um, uh, IQ to people across the world really for the, for the first time. Obviously, first yeah. um, first album on a, on a major. Yeah. Um, so I, I really wanted to. Obviously, I'd left it the three or four, five years later. Um, yeah. But obviously, uh, there's some of the, the things on there. When I decided that I wanted to sort of st um, start a band back up and start start playing live again, it just seemed an obvious choice to, to obviously play some of those um, play some of those songs. So I kind of based it around Numbers Are Now 25. Yeah. And it was great fun. It was it got some great um, yeah. great reviews, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and obviously wanted to wanted to kind of kick on from that, but unfortunately mm. the Paul Manel band's kind of um, imploded for various reasons, which I don't really want yeah. to go into on here. Um, and so unfortunately the, the the idea of doing a a 25th um, sort of uh, anniversary sort of tour for Ice didn't come through and never sort of happened, which was a real shame because mm. some of the songs on there that are, again on that album. Um, which was obviously sort of sold a lot more copies, etc., etc. Yeah. It um, spawned our sort of first, um, I suppose, radio hit, really, or, or mm. uh, commercial success in, in Britain, anyway. Um, mm. Sold on you. Um, mm. I, I, it's a shame that I, that I wasn't sort of able to sort of take some of those some of those songs um, on the road as well, but it wasn't to mm. be so. You were trying to get your uh, your own material out there as well, because I think you had the, the oh, Great Outdoors album around that time, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was, um, and it kind of worked to a certain degree. <clears throat> With the benefit of hindsight, um, I think what I should have done is just um, is probably not relied as heavily on the kind of IQ thing, because I, really what I wanted to do was kind of say, well, that's what I'm doing that's what I was doing then, and and, and and I'm still here. I can still sing a little bit and um, ponce around on stage. Yeah. 
Um, that was quite good from that mm. point of view. But the downside of it was sometimes you can't really get rid of those. It's kind of a real shackle, really, yeah. as, as well, because um, people kind of obviously love you for, for that, that time and, and those kind of songs. But, you know, time has moved yeah. on. Um, and obviously... Um, no, I think, yes, you saw the yeah, your solo material Sorry? is a lot. Your solo material is a lot more song based and a lot less prog, isn't it? Um, so, if, if people come along to a gig to hear IQ, they're not going to be so readily um, accessible to your your own yeah. material, really. So, if the, absolutely, if that's, if that's what they wanted to want to see, sort of solely. Um, that, and I'm very perfectly clear that that's really not what it was about. It was it was about introducing my stuff. Um, as, as well as you know, sort of, um, um, as, as well as sort of uh, keeping pace with, uh, obviously, those sort of kind of older opinions. That really wasn't a problem. Um, but when it kind of, when, let's say, hindsight, twenty twenty vision, and all that, possibly wouldn't wouldn't have had it as kind of heavily weighted towards the kind of IQ stuff. Yeah. Um, but having said that, hey ho! I mean, here we are now. I mean, it's uh, yeah. it was it was fantastic. It, was, it introduced me again to some. Some you know fans that I haven't um, spoke to or heard from for for years, yeah, and yeah. it's um, it's really pleasing that um, some of those songs from you know from my my couple of albums with the band um, are still so highly thought of and, and respected. Especially lyrically, yeah. I get loads of comments on Facebook and personal messages and stuff saying how um, you know that it's. Um, yeah. It's like a, a, it's a, it's a signature tune for, for growing up sometimes, isn't it, music? Yeah. And I think people can still relate to it, especially Common Ground. I mean, I had so many messages, um, you know, back in back in November about Common Ground when we posted that back up. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah, fantastic times, really, really good times. Yeah, well, I mean, going going back to, like, when you, you first, like, uh, joined IQ, I mean, how did you come to actually get the gig, presumably you had to audition and that? Did you have to start apply for the job or do they approach you? Uh, no, I applied. I just, I just saw an advert. I think it might be Melody Maker or NME or Sounds or something. Remember those old old uh, broadsheets they used to be back in uh, back in the 1800s. Um, yeah. I think that's really what, what it was. And uh, I auditioned and got it. I mean, I'd, I'd, um, I'd heard of the band before, obviously. Um, I was, I'd sort of been in and out of bands well, since the since ages of 13 up in Yorkshire. Um, and I knew that it was in my blood. I really wanted to go and do something with a band who, you know, I thought were, were going places. And I'd, uh, I'd yeah. heard of IQ. Um, they sent me the albums and stuff through. Uh, and I really liked it. I could really see the potential in, in the band. I thought, I could see they were going, well, I, I thought potentially they were, you know, they, um, they were going places. And, yeah. um, yeah, I was kind of engaged. It was it was it was an engaging sound. It was different, yeah. you know. Um, the whole the whole thing about it, I really liked. Yeah, I think there was a, there was a little bit of a. It seems to me there was a little bit of a conscious attempt by the band to move the sound on a little bit, in, you know, mm. to coincide with you joining because it it became to me. Um, well, it's not so much more commercial or anything, but a little bit of an attempt to be more contemporary, mm. and there was perhaps a little bit more. Yeah, I sometimes afterwards, I think I got, I got um, I took a little bit of stick for something that really wasn't all my um, doing. 
there was a commercial sort of um, bent towards the brand uh, and, and leaning, especially from sort of uh, from Martin, because was obviously the main songwriter anyway. And, and um, yeah. you know, he's got an incredible um, melodic sense about him, and there definitely was. And I think they realised that um, Pete's, um, you know, Pete's obviously lyrically and stuff, uh, and and technically vocally. Um, I think they wanted someone who could possibly do it just a little bit more. Um, mm. I think sometimes it's always sort of seen that sort of small Paul Manel turn on the commercial. Really wasn't that. I mean, I just gave him yeah. a, I think, I mean, we, we just, we, it was a kind of bit of a melding of minds when I, when I met Martin. I think we were all yeah. on the same way. And Tim as well. Yeah. Tim was very much um, into yeah. more sort of slightly more commercial bands. You're, you're, so, you're um, a victim. You're a victim in a way of the, like, the, the Phil Collins kill Genesis syndrome, weren't you? <laughs> when, you know, when it really, when it really wasn't him, there was, there was three of them that decided to take yeah. the music in that direction. But he somehow yeah. gets all the blame he, heaped on him. Which, it's not the first you know. time I've been compared to Phil Collins, Steve, so I do forgive you. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> not financially. But yeah, I guess, I guess so. That's a, that's, a, that's a classic analogy, isn't it? Um, bizarrely, yeah. I think, um, I mean, I've, again, comments over the years have been, that my voice is actually sounds a lot more like Peter Gabriel than, than Peter Gabriel does sometimes, which <laughs> I can't really help that either. But yeah, yeah it was, I think it, it, was, it was definitely a... a, a um, it was mm-hmm. definitely a move within the band that wanted to kind of go that way, um, and obviously that was reflected when, obviously on the second album, we we used um, Terry Brown to produce. Um, I used yeah. to think comfortably, you know, we just did a massive hit with uh, Cutting Crew. I was trying your arms tonight. That sort of contemporary sound in there, and of yeah. course the trouble is, the trouble is, with any band that tried to sound up to the minute and contemporary in the 80s now sounds yeah. horrendously dated. It's the most dated sound, isn't it? That era, yeah, yes. the gated drums and the you know the absolutely the lexicon everywhere. Uh, yeah, you got it. I mean, it was just like that huge compression that went everywhere. I yeah. think what what I, what I did, what I think set a lot of bands apart from the in the eighties or, or, or the, some of that stuff was. I, I think Terry Brown as a producer is, is superb. Though I think I, I do listen back to. Um, and I've on, on, on several occasions fairly recently actually uh, to I Sitting Constable and I still think the production of that album is, is, is superb and it does stand up to an, you know, with an awful lot of sort of modern day tracks modern day sort of sounds and production techniques and um, mm. it sounds really well against them yeah. and we were kind of you know it, it, was, it's a, it was a great mix of that, that classic sort of progressive rock stuff but like Rush you know you got the kind of longer yeah. songs and the, the shorter songs as well, and I, th- I thought that it was an absolute perfect blend of, um, yeah. you know, a band who uh, obviously had their feet um, in sort of progressive rock, if I may say that, um, but their heads were sort of, uh, were kind of in, look, we were looking for other things to um, to keep, well, at the end of the day, it's a commercial, it's got to be commercially yeah. viable. I mean, it's all yeah. very well being art rock, but and playing to 300 people, um, but we didn't really want to do that. And once we, you know, we did a couple of festivals, you know, we were supporting like Foreigner and um, Starship, 25, 30, 35,000 people there. There's something on YouTube, isn't there? There's a gig there. Mm-hmm. Jeff so told Ronnie, I mean, Ronnie Wood, for God's sake, we, you know, we started moving in those kind of circles and thought, well, this is, we scratched the surface here. This is, this is the album that's really going to break us. And as I say, sold on you was uh, Radio 1 Record of the Week, and we just thought it's just a matter of time, and then, of course, um, that's yeah. really when the band um, kind of fell apart, because yeah. suddenly they kind of wanted to ditch the commercial leanings. I think there were lots of, um, I don't know, I think there's lots of 
whispering going on in the background, which I wasn't kind of aware of um, regarding, well, let's get back to our progressive roots and yeah. ditch all that kind of airy-fairy yeah. nonsense and, um, and go back to it, which was what, what exactly what they did. And I just, I, yeah. I couldn't... I wanted to be progressive rock, not regressive rock. So that's yeah. um, we well, they, went, they, went, they went even further in that direction, didn't they? Because they did Subterranea, for example, which was a, a double concept album. Which yeah. you know, that, that's about as as prog as you can get. <laughs> to be honest, so, I think that they absolutely. I completely agree. Um, but you've got to you've got to play. You know, you, you've got to put your heart into something. And they just their, their heart wasn't. Especially Mike, I don't think his heart wasn't into going any further than we'd gone. Yeah. from a commercial aspect. And, you know, yeah. but my someone was, um, you know, because we were, you, you could just smell the success, basically. Um, yeah. The record company were, were obviously very much behind us then. They hadn't been the first the first album. On the Nomzama album, Promises, was mm-hmm. a, was what they call a, well, it was a huge radio hit in um, uh, in Germany when we are touring over there. But it was in the days long before MP3s, etc., etc., um, yeah. and they physically did not get the product on the shelves, so the people were going out trying yeah. to buy the buy the song, and couldn't buy it. They couldn't yeah. get it anywhere, and that really shocked um, Phonogram. Yeah. Um, and what actually happened was it, it kind of it, it was played so many times on on radio, but obviously we didn't sell that many units uh, yeah. because it wasn't there to sell because we were promoting it at that stage. So. Yeah, um, yeah. But the the songs now that get looked back on with the most um, uh, respect and the most affection yeah. are the, yeah. the the longer tracks and the less commercial ones. Like like you you mentioned cool. before, Common Ground, which is that's yeah. a superb song, lyrically and musically. That's a, that's an absolutely brilliant song. Um, well, also, I think, as I've, um, said, I've said that there's, yeah. there's, there's a few times that we. Um, um, we had a few troughs in the band, but there were some great peaks, and I, th- and I think that um, Common Ground was definitely one of the, one yeah. of the peaks. Nothing at all, again, is, was a favourite of mine from, um, you know, yeah. from the second album. Uh, yeah. But Common Ground still is still cited, um, yeah. and obviously it's something. Next year, I'm very aware of it's the hundredth anniversary. I mean, war history is something that's a, that's very big in my sort of uh, in my world, and. Um, so I, I was I was very proud of those lyrics. It just happened to come along. We we just we were in rehearsals, um, writing a few bits and pieces. And Mike came out with that guitar riff, and I took it away with me. Um, played around with with the music and stuff, and um, just so, just so happened it was that kind of time of the of of, of the year anyway. Uh, and just the lyrics just came. I remember I'd read an article, and I was, I was reading lots of books and stuff, and. Um, you know, about the July the first, nineteen sixteen, and the Battle of the Somme, and it was just, um, it, it just came, uh, and I'm incredibly proud of that, proud of that, yeah. uh, that song. And the music, yeah, I mean, the music at the end is, is just, it's just dynamite. It's, it's, yeah. it's superb. It's a band yeah. for me, really. Again, as I said, at their peak, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, very similar to to Fish there in a way, because if you heard the um, the stuff on his on his last album, he's got like yeah. a, a mini war suite in there that's superb. And he's yeah. really interested in the, all that World War One stuff. You know, he's been over there and seen the battlefields and everything. And he's really into it, and it, it is fascinating. It makes, you know, it makes it, not to trivialise it, but it makes great lyrical subject matter, doesn't it? Because it's so oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so there's so, there's so many of the obviously the look at the war poetry that puts us soon and uh, Wilfred Owen and lots of those people, and it is um, it's astonishing. And they were actually there. 
I mean, we just, I'm, I'm kind of just, you know, I think when Fish and myself and whoever writes about these things, we weren't really there and we're just kind of reflecting it. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's great to be mindful, or it's important to be mindful of it. And as I am, because it's, I mean, I'm, I want to go over there to, to some of the, um, on, on some of the, the war trails next year because it's the, it's the 100th, 100th anniversary of the Battle of the Zone next year in, in yeah, July. Right. Yeah. So um, it is something that, from a bringing it sort of full circle, almost back to sort of my um, uh, my solo stuff. Um, it's something that I want to uh, I want to kind of do a, do another tribute to that uh, and my take on Common Ground. So I will yeah. be releasing something next year with well, sorry later this year uh, with that Excellent. in mind. So I say it's next year. It's obviously 2016 now. It's this yeah. year, isn't it? This year. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. So, well. I- I mean, as, as, as well as that, I mean, talk about subject matter. I mean, you've got yeah. the um, the title track, Nomzamo. Now, I think I'm right in saying, wasn't that uh, Winnie Mandela's nickname? And that's it's how it's it... a tribal name. It's actually no. what she was born. She's called Win, Win, Winifred Nomzamo Mandela. That's a middle name. I knew something to do with Mandela. But that was, yeah, it's, um, it's the, uh-huh. the Zosa tribe. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it meant, and it meant it literally means from from as I, as I put in the in the lyrics um, in the song, it does mean one who will suffer many trials. And of course, latterly now we found <laughs> that she's not as nice a person as we thought she was. No. <laughs> she did end up suffering some trials. Yeah. But um, but yeah, uh, again, kind of that trials, was a kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a kind of thing. The, the anti-apartheid thing was was something that was, was quite um, that I was quite moved by as well. And there's a couple of tracks on that album. Were um, you know were about that, so yeah. Yeah, it had some sort of political content lyrically, I suppose, rather than some. I get a complete difference to um, or, or a, a different tack on, uh, on on what Pete Nichols was doing with the band. Um, yeah, I, I think they're probably very personal lyrics, and I, I really like them. So I mean, you, you kind of um, you kind of get lost in Pete's lyrics sometimes. You're not entirely sure what what he means or whether they mean anything or whatever, which is quite a nice little yeah. little trait. Um, you, I'm a little like, bit more you direct. Like, you like to tell a story a bit more, don't you? I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, for my sins. Yeah, I, I enjoy doing that because I enjoy um, I enjoy trying to be succinct, um, mm. but also kind of quite, if possible, prophetic within a within a sort of constraint of a short song or but within a long song as well. Sometimes on long songs though, you kind of get a bit. Well, no, no, we're going to put. I've just. I don't, I don't like things that that that, that repeat. So mm. I think, well, you know. I've already said that, so what, you know, I need to kind of, if I'm not engaged, I don't think an audience is engaged. Yeah. So I like to keep things kind of short and sweet, and yeah. once it's been said, that's it. I say well, obviously, the, obviously the, the longest uh, track that you did in your tenure with the band was, uh, I think, Human Nature, wasn't it, which was almost 10 minutes. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, which again has got some good, it's got some nice little, well, I think some fantastic, I mean, it's, it is one of the most, um, Popular IQ songs. I think it's one that still that still shout out IQ gigs for it. And obviously we we did it with Paul Mailman a few times. It's still it's a it's a it's a great piece of um, classic progressive rock. Yeah. You know it's got the, it's got the nice um, melodic shifts and time signatures and stuff, which is um, obviously um, IQ's sort of forte. And yeah, um, yeah it, but I don't think it was a conscious decision just to make a ten minute song. I think what we did was I think we had about three or four different ideas and we somehow sort of tried to dovetail them all together. Well, whether, whether it works or not, is that's in the ear of the beholder. But I think it worked fairly well. 
I think many many would agree with you there with that. It's a very popular song. Just, but just, just putting in, I play, I play Human Nature. Yeah. I play Human Nature every single day. <laughs> right. Every single day I play Human Nature. Every single day you play Human Nature. That's, that's, yeah. that's your anthem. Yeah. Anthem, well, well, fantastic. <laughs> well, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, um, I'm, I'm sure that. Well, it's, it's nice. It's nice to hear that it's still after all this time. Well, it was 1987, yeah. so it's you know we're talking about a long time. So, um, brilliant. Well, let's hope, let's hope some of my new stuff, you'll play that every day as well. Yeah. I think, again, it's that whole nostalgic trip, isn't it, really? It's, it's, uh, and as I said earlier, it's, um, it's a soundtrack to your youth, where you were, that kind of thing. All those things go through your mind when you, when you listen to a track. Yeah. And I think that, one, that is one that, um, for, a lot, for some reason, I, I, don't, I don't know why, um, but I'm probably a bit too close to it. Yeah. But, um, it's, for some reason, it's a song that people really picked up on and just taken to the heart. Well, I've, I've, I've got to confess to playing Human Nature about once every ten years, but... <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds, that, that sounds more realistic. It, it's in your head, though, Steve, right? <laughs> yeah. You play um, over and over in your head. Oh, of, of course, obviously it's in my mental jukebox all the time. Oh, sure, uh, you've got to say that, haven't you, now I'm on air. As soon as I get out of air, yeah. Uh, obviously, moving on to it, as you said, the second album, yeah. you sit comfortably with it, with that uh, <laughs> that bizarre sleeve of the electric chair, which is... Uh, yeah, the, the man, the electric... Yeah, it was, um, again, just bizarre coincidence. We, we, we'd we got a, a, a photographer, or the record company introduced us to a photographer who seemed like a really nice guy, and he'd, he'd, he'd been working on some sort of film set. And um, he said, do you want to come down and think about um, this, this, this design or, or whatever and we kind of looked at it with, with, with all the lights on and some well, looks a bit weird what's that all about and um, turned the lights off and put all these uh, fiber optics and stuff on it and it just went shit yeah that's that's top draw and he, he was thinking we were kind of so they went down the route of um, you know the ice it and come to me because he obviously he'd listened to the first album and obviously the, the demos for the second and, and picked up on as what, as what you said and there's like little stories within songs. So the whole idea, I used to think, comes up, it's like Watch With Mother, isn't it? You know, when we were growing up. But sort of story yeah, time for it. kids on yeah. radio. And um, so we kind of based it on that. So yeah. that's who it is. That dude in the chair, whoever he is, doesn't look like he's that comfortable, does he? Not, not that comfortable, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, the, so the, hopefully the... listening to the album, you're a bit more comfortable than what he looks. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it, it didn't didn't uh, didn't uh, reflect your position in the band at the time. <laughs> I think that would have been a real electric chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, I think you're wrong picture here. No, we had a great time. We were, we were, we were yeah. great, great friends. You know, we just had yeah. different musical differences at the end. I mean, during this, it was a mm. the, you know, the best oh. times of my, my life. You know, we were, as I say, we were, we were touring and supporting some great bands. But the whole, I mean, it obviously peaked with the Mike and the Mechanics tour, which was. Um, astonishingly good, you know. We that um, I think um, I think we were the best then. That's that's when IQ were were the best because we kind of got all the teething problems out of the way. Um, you know, from obviously that. Um, I, I you, you know you always find I think when you when you come into a band even though they're not they, didn't, they weren't really successful per se but they had a cult following. Um, you know they they were doing sort of um, relatively small residences at the marquee but obviously we carried on doing that. We did three I think we did three nights down there. Um, I, I, was, I heard, obviously heard earlier about the, 
talking about the, the uh, marquee, which brought back fond memories for me as well, you know, when, um, when Merlion played there. But um, I think we, I think at the stage uh, the, on the Mike and the Mechanics tour, what we'd, we'd kind of, we'd moved on three, four years, and we were getting big audience. We were now, you know, we were supporting people. We were, pl- we were playing the, you know, big um, Manchester Apollo and all these kind of places. Um, you know, so that was a, it was kind of that um, again that moving from being a relatively small band up to being festival a festival band and it being noticed. I mean, we did um, <clears throat> when we did the festivals. It was in between the recording and the mixing of I Sit in Comfort. We went and did three festivals in Switzerland and um, and Germany, where we supported Foreigner and Jeff O'Cole, the the Bill, Ronnie and Ronnie Wood. You know, what actually what physically we were playing and I think we, we, was, we started about sort of 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning and sort of halfway through the sort of 45 minute set I kind of looked stage left and Ronnie Wood staring straight across looking at me and I thought yeah. <laughs> it's Ronnie Wood I mean it's Ronnie Wood <laughs> and um, you know um, unbelievable unbelievable it really was one of those moments like, oh god you know, we're kind of mixing in, we're moving in good circles here yeah. and afterwards you know we, um, we kind of end up in the like, green room um, backstage and uh, he walked into the tent and we were all kind of standing there because he's coming towards us <laughs> you know trying not to go all girly and, and stop yeah. you know fluffing <laughs> your eyelashes at him and um, yeah. <laughs> he came up and he said those are for you and he bought us five bottles of uh, of Jack Daniels <laughs> just lined them up in front of us each and he said that was an absolutely astonishing astonishing set you guys are going to go for and that was great you know, one of the little moments, the little free songs that uh, you kind of yeah. get sometimes, and uh, you think, "Oh God, it's it's happening." So we kind of move from, as I said, in the marquee stuff, and those, which are great gigs anyway. And obviously, you can, you know, once you, you can see the front row, and you know, you, you can uh, you can taste the, the sweat basically coming from the audience to like a big festival. Um, as I said, it was great. Yeah. It really was good. And mm-hmm. I think on the Michael Mechanics tour, we had ironed out an awful lot of the the glitches and stuff and I think the sound was really really good live especially uh, we were playing more like a rock band and not not relying too heavily on that to on uh, backing tracks and stuff like that we were just going out and, and doing it and uh, but one of my favourite times in, uh, in IQ yeah well one of the songs I really wanted to uh, to just ask you about on there I sit comfortably is uh, Warrench the other long yeah. track now the story was uh, at the time was to, do the, to do with the Terry Brown thing but it, it's an anagram for New Rush mm. in, um, what's the kind of the story behind that because it, it doesn't have any burning on the lyrics and it's, it's kind of weird <laughs> yeah well lyrically or the, 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 well, the, 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 the title of it was just like a, well, an intro it, it is it, it, it's just that we just couldn't think of a, of a, of a title um uh, you know, it was just—it was a working title because we thought that it kind of sounded a little bit like Rush. Uh, tell you, this was before Terry Brown. Um, he, I mean, it's uh, that's a coincidence that obviously he was the Rush producer and stuff. But that was—we the, the track was in its—it's—it's it, it's, um, it's pretty much was being conceived by the time Terry came along. To be honest, um, but it just reminded us, us, us of, uh, of, of of that band. So um, that's how we just call it. And boringly enough, we couldn't think of it. We were so lazy. Don't think of another title. So we just did an anagram. I thought, well, yeah. that, that didn't take long for people to suss it. Especially when, right. they, when they were stealing, um, you know, set lists from the stage and it still said New Rush on there. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> before we'd even you know, called it Wrench, you know, when it's uh, when it was like a working title when we started playing it live. It was still called New Rush then, and then it became Wrench. Yeah. Well, so I mean, after after you left uh, IQ, yeah. obviously there was a long time when you just disappeared off the radar. Did you just basically pack in the business? I've been off for a while. I, I just wanted a, wanted a bit of a rest. I um, and there was a few sort of things that came back to came back to me, and, I, and I, it's uh, it was a, it was an amicable parting. You know, myself mm. and Tim left. We were going to do some stuff together because we were kind of both. Um, at that stage, I think we were fairly like-minded. What we uh, the, the direction that we wanted to go in, we just kind of tasted a little bit of that commercial uh, sort of success and wanted to try to go down that route a little bit more and explore different um, different sort of avenues for that. Yeah. Uh, it didn't really work out with Tim. Um, his, his heart wasn't in it. Uh, I think when he got married, I think and whatever, and, and uh, moved out the area basically. And I think at that stage, I thought, well, I was still, I suppose, relatively young. Because I mean, I joined IQ when I was like 22 or whatever, and we we tasted quite a lot in in uh, in a relatively short amount of time. And I think yeah. I got frustrated with the, you know, we'd, we'd obviously gone into rehearsals for well, it was a two-album deal, and potentially obviously the. Um, the rehearsals were hopefully going to be spawning new ideas for a potential third album. But yeah. you know, I really didn't like some of the stuff that that, that, that um, I yeah. was presenting. It became very, very obvious then that they were going back to, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, just, going back um, to their roots. So, yeah. so I left there. Sorry, sorry, I was just going to say, like, yeah, just uh, quickly before we have to, to wrap things up. Um, yeah. Obviously, your latest album that you just brought, Into Insignificance, Into Insignificance, I will show you. The last, the last album was a couple of years ago, that, yeah. Into Insignificance, A couple of years now, it seems like five minutes ago that came out. Right. Yeah, it is. It's a couple yeah. of years. My new album's coming out this, this year in about, well, just over a month's time. We're just, we just literally finishing off the, uh, the packaging and the, so I'm putting this one out on vinyl as well, which I'm really pleased about. I've got a new company mm. called 3Ms, which is not the tape, not the tape company. <laughs> this is a management company, start distribution, some, some guys there. LinkedIn with uh, Gav Monaghan, my producer, who does like you know, Robert Plant and <laughs> loads of lots of sort of uh, big names, Robert Twang, who's got a show yeah, for them yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of linked in with them as well, um, and they can maybe sort of marketing me and you know uh, doing the push, which I'm really pleased. I'm a record company per se. I've got a lot more say in it than a, than a standard signed artist would have, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, the new album is called Spare Parts of Broken Hearts. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a, it was three, yeah. I think three years ago, into insignificance. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I remember th- thinking, you know, when you're trying to uh, get yourself re-established after years mm. in the wilderness, it seems kind yeah. of ironic to pull out an album called saying that I'll pale into insignificance. Well, you know, <laughs> you're trying to do the opposite it, kind of thing. Right? <laughs> that's it was, it, that's it was why an I called it that. Intentional. That, yeah. You know, I, did really that. That. I did wonder. I did wonder if. <laughs> It was that kind of cocking a snoop, really, at, um, at, yeah. at them. I think a lot of people were, were a little bit surprised that I kind of come back you know, and had a few comments. And, and yeah, I did try to kind of re-establish some sort of... Um, um, I put the feelers out to some of the old, you know, the IQ guys. I went to see them at the Islington, um, one of the Christmas bashes, whatever it was, um, just before the album. Or when I was starting to tour, actually, that that, um, that record. Um, and put feelers out to say, do you fancy doing some guests and, you know... I got what they call a kiss off, so um, I did, so that was that was that was fine. And I think they were a bit surprised to actually come back after all this time. But you know, I've, I've still felt like I've, I've never stopped writing. You know, when I left IQ, I kind of um, 
um, as I say, with with the whole the whole tin thing flop, I, I just you know I, I went away and I grew a family. You know, I, I, I settled down a little bit. I put down some roots. Um, never stopped writing. Um, I did form one called The Great Outdoors. I did a, did a few little bits and pieces with them, and I'm still recording an album, which I've still got on the back burner, which is uh, which I, again I will be sort of um, bringing it out hopefully towards the end of this year properly. Yeah. Uh, retrospectively, which is stuff obviously from uh, from that kind of time, 1994, 1995, um, which has got some good music and, some good, and I think some really good songs. But again, that's got to go to a stage where we were thinking about doing some proper touring and stuff, and uh, my heart really wasn't in it because my children were very young then. And I thought, I don't really want to be doing it. Because I think then, and once the kids had got a little bit older, that's when my spark, and when Facebook came out and all that kind of stuff and the, the whole um, social media, and my kids come back from school and say, actually, Dad, you've actually done quite a bit of music, haven't you? And like, yeah, well, yeah. So they were kind of playing me my songs, which have been sort of, you know, probably all IQ stuff, which has been kind of gathering dust on, on vinyl uh, for quite a few years. And I think that kind of, oh, actually... It was good. I do. I do really miss it, and that's why I really came came back. Right. And I think that into insignificance. That was my way of saying, "Well, I'm not gone yeah. away. I mean, I've I've been I've been around, just not yeah, in, not in these yeah. circles." Yeah. So. Well, I'm I'm just getting the, the sort of like the throat cutting motions at the moment. No, I'm no, no, I think I'll just, I'll just push on to Rob. I think he wants to ask you one question before we okay. uh, wrap things up. But uh, it's, hey, it's really cool. Really cool, mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Rob who's been pestering you on uh, Facebook. <laughs> I know, Rob. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this good-looking guy following me on Facebook. What's going on? <laughs> How can I help you, Rob? Go on. Anyway, no. Anyway, no. So, just a fun question because uh, I'm not the pro that Steve is. Uh, before you came on, we were talking about Palace. I don't know if you know the Scottish, the Caledonian Prague Palace. Oh, Palace. Yeah, yeah, Jeff recently. Yeah, I just wondered if, like, you, you have got doing a, a like, like a project called Paulus, or Paul does Palace. <laughs> Paul has well, Paul the Woodnall. Yeah, Paul the Woodnall. In a word, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. Can you remember Paul as the Woodnall? I can. I'm old enough. <laughs> Oh, you can see. There you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Top Trump. Top Trump. Yeah. scary animated cartoon series. Really scary. If you watch it back now, it's it's, it's frightening. Yeah. But I can still I can still sing the theme to you now. So I used to love it. But but no, I've got no I've got no intention of, of joining Palace and calling a band Paulus. No. No. If you did, if you did, Rob would listen to it every day. Oh, every, <laughs> every day. day. For, for, right. Well, okay, then maybe I'll, maybe I'll get in touch with the guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a possibility. Okay, that's a fantastic talking to you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mr. Minnell. It's been such an honor having you on the podcast. This is our first podcast, and Rob has been working tirelessly, and we have a really great team of, of co-hosts here. I'm really happy and proud to be um, sharing the show with, and really we're just so honored that you took the time to um, stay up so late um, in the middle of the night and call in and be a part of our show. Thank you, it's sir. It's been worth every minute. Thanks ever so much for Thank having me on. So and, uh, and I hope to come on again mm-hmm. maybe later in the year somewhere and talk about some of my new stuff. Please, and talk about your new album. That would be fantastic. 
Absolutely, not a problem. Okay, guys, have a good. Um, what time is it where you are? It is eight fifteen <laughs> p.m. last time. <laughs> ah, right. Yeah. Okay, same here. Okay, <laughs> I shall try to get some uh, some sleep now. Okay, you, you take care. Thank it's been you. Fantastic speaking to you. Cheers, guys. Fantastic as well. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes. Wow, that was great. Um, we have our next... Uh, Person on hold, and I'm sorry to have been keeping them on hold, so I don't want to take any more time. Um, oh, did, we not do, did we not want to do the, uh, did we not want to play the IQ track? Uh, I think well, we, we have our next uh, caller, Dave yes. On. We'll have to do it at the end, Rob. I think so. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah. I believe we have Dave on the line. Is this Dave? I am here, yes. Hello, thank you for your patience, sir. I'm so sorry you had to wait our... Oh, our no, call is going a little bit longer, and um, I hated to keep you on hold, but I appreciate your patience with us. No, no, it's absolutely fine. If you want to play the IQ, IQ track, you know, just after you've been speaking to that guy, that's cool with that. Well, that's up to you guys. <laughs> I'll leave it to Steve. Rob. Rob's the man, uh, the man making the call on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a higher half <laughs> uh, No, I think it would be rude, wouldn't it? I think we should leave it to the end. Yeah. I think we'll leave it till the end, but thank you so much. That's so kind of you. Okay. So this is Michelle, and I've got Steve and Rob and Crystal on the line, and we're so happy that you could take the time to call in and join us for our first podcast. And um, without any further ado, um, Steve, why don't you go ahead and uh, start the interview? Yep. Hi, Dave. Good to talk to you again. How are you doing? Are you okay? Not so bad, not so bad. Um, yeah, for, for for those who who don't know, we, me and Dave grew up very near to each other, although we didn't know it at the time, and uh, basically lived in the same town most of our lives. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, we we know each other quite well. Um, Dave's Dave's a, a busy man. Uh, basically, he juggles bands like other people juggle oranges. Um, uh, his main band uh, for many years has been Mr. So and So. Uh, he's also in recent years been playing with the Steve Rothery band, that's Steve Rothery from Marillion, um, and also, as of last year, joined uh, Panic Room, uh, which um, is, the, is the band that was formed by uh, Anne-Marie Helder, also who was, used to be with Carnatica, and is these days with Mostly Autumn, I think I've got all that right. Um, uh, you, you, you've been in the studio today with uh, Panic Room, haven't you, Dave? Well, it's not with me panic room, funny enough. It's with Anne. Anne's with me now. Hello. Hi. Oh, you're on as well. Great. Hi. <laughs> um, Welcome, Anne. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Literally, it's about, it's 4.19 in the morning here. So, hello. Yeah. Oh, it's the same here as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank, thankfully, I'm a vampire. I stay up all night. So. <laughs> we, we okay. <laughs> yeah, we've been in um, we've been in the studio today doing some work on my next solo album. So Anne's ah, been right. over doing some vocals, some amazing vocals at that as well. So that's that sounds brilliant. Yeah, it really does. Uh, I think um, I think um, the gig that I, I saw you doing with uh, with Panic Room last year in St Helens that was one of your first gigs, wasn't it? I think you'd only been with them for about a, a week. Yeah, it was it was a really it was a brilliant experience. The whole thing, um, how how I became involved with Panic Room, it was 
it was a, it was a strange experience being asked to learn such a, um, a a large body of work and then going to the studio and then play with some other songs that weren't in that live set <laughs> and then kind of reintroduce them as, as as something new. You know, it was it was a really cool thing. Yeah. Because of course, when you did that tour, you just you just put out the uh, well, the semi-acoustic album on your essence, or you were about to put it out, or whatever. And the 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 first set was a stripped-back set of mostly acoustic versions of familiar songs, wasn't it? Before the full band set afterwards, um, that I thought that was very successful as a sort um, an aperitif for the main uh, main main set. Thank you, thank you. No, it's, 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 yeah, thank you. And hi, everyone. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite difficult to balance doing an acoustic set, really. With, with when you do when you're essentially a rock band, it's it's quite difficult to work out how to how to work that sort of set into the um, the whole show. But I think I think we did the best best balance we could, really. I think we you know we had a, a about forty minute acoustic little set. Mm. And it was, yeah, I think it worked really well, um, and it was quite so vibrant as well as being delicate in places. And then we had a, a short break, and then we were kind of rocking after that. So, um, but yeah, I think what Dave Foster, you know, <laughs> brought to the band, you know, as well as the power in the electric set was was a lot of vibrancy in the acoustic set as well. So, um, yeah. What was cool about it was um I was just um, what was cool about it was when you play the acoustic stuff, people generally you know you know that everybody has this pet hate about people talking over over songs when you go to a gig. There's always some guy in front of you who'll talk all the way through the gig. And it's this phenomenon when you do an acoustic set that people do generally kind of listen and they're taking on board everything that's going on. So that was nice. And then you get the, the full rock thing, so you get both parts of the set. You know, the, the first parts of the acoustic set were really, like Anne was saying, they were really intimate and really, really quiet in parts. Mm. Um, and it was really nice when I'm introducing, like, Rain and Tears in Burgundy instead. And I can play I'm playing. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a problem with the mic there. It fell off his head. Yeah, I mean, personally, I mean, I thought that your your guitar work added to Panic Room, gave it a whole new dimension. And a lot of people I talked to thought the same thing. It was it was obvious at the time, even though you were kind of on probation, if you like, you know, um, it it was quite obvious you were going to become. A full member, uh, and I thought. I mean that that actual show. I mean, I I reviewed it for Prog Magazine at the time, and uh, I thought it was probably the best Panic Room show I'd seen. To be honest, extremely oh, wow. good. Thank you. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, I think as you said yourself, I think it was quite obvious that Dave was going to be. It, it wasn't probation for us actually. It was very much kind of. Um, it was one of his first shows with us, but. Um, it, yeah, I think I think it was very obvious from the time we started working together that it worked. So um, we're very proud that he's part of the band now. And um, and uh, yeah, I was really chuffed. Yeah. I was it was because it was I was the um, to help initially to help out. Um, 
you know, there's, there's the obvious connection to Yatin doing the the, um, the Steve Lovery yeah, yeah. band, yeah, yeah. And um, and I knew of the band, and I'd, I'd you know I'd, I'd met them when they were when they were all in Karnataka years ago. And when I was asked to do it, I, you know, it, it didn't take me long. It, it's one of these things where you always hope that the gigs that you're going to get are going to be things that you enjoy playing. And I really, I could see straight away listening to the stuff. I thought I can sink my teeth into this. And I enjoy playing these. And and it, you know, when you see, a lot of people have said that we all look like we're enjoying ourselves, and it's because we are. You know, it's, it's you, you don't have, you, if you try and fake that, it'll look like the weirdest thing you've ever seen. But um, it's genuine joy when you're playing the things on stage. Really like it. Yeah, well, you're both in the situation where you're having to juggle different bands because obviously we've talked about all your bands, Dave. But uh, of course, I'm really yours still on and off in mostly autumn <laughs> just off at the moment but um it's a funny thing about mostly autumn with the mostly autumn family it's sort of like it's it's an arrangement unlike any other band where if somebody's busy or they've got something else on and can't make it somebody else will come in maybe that's been in the band before and then they'll go out and you might come back in and you know um that uh, that i mean with uh, with angela coming back in angela gordon who used to be who was yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. left seven years ago for anybody who doesn't know. Um, you know, it was. Uh, I mean, that's great that she's come back and it gives a sense of continuity. And obviously, uh, I, I, well, I'm assuming that you're probably back in at some point. Um, are um, you happy with that arrangement? Or absolutely, or? yeah. Well, basically, what happened is um, about seven or eight years ago, um, I was. Uh, I actually did a support for most of the others. Uh, playing support for them. I think Hammersmith Apollo in London. Um, and I was just becoming good, really good friends with the band. And then um, Angela became pregnant with her first child. That's right. Um, yeah, with, with Scarlett. And um, so very shortly after, she decided to step back and, you know, have her child and become a mum at the time. So that, that, that's why I actually stepped in and became a full-time member of the band. Um, and I worked with them for probably about five or six years, sort of full time. Um, but now, what's happening at the moment is realistically, um, my work with Planet Room is so involved, and it's it's really full time. So I, I tend to be too busy with that to actually work with. with right. So at the moment, um, they've got uh, Angela back in, which is great. Yeah. Fantastic to see her back into the fold. So, um, and her daughter now is like sort of eight years old, which is great. So, um, but we, yeah, we're all very connected. And we're all good friends, and um, mm. you know, we do we do very much sort of stay in touch with each other. But yeah. um, it, for me, really, my priority has always been yeah. and and uh, my own creative outlet. So, so, so at the moment, she's back full time. Uh, as far as I know, yeah. she's working. Well, she'll be working with the band for the next sort of six months or more. So it's yeah. very with yeah. It is quite a loose arrangement with really, my thoughts about like, As far as yeah. I know, she's going to be doing the next six months. So yeah. 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 But it's, it's it's really cool the way at some point you might do a couple of gigs, you know, you're free, they need you, you do a couple of gigs and, yeah. you know, it's, once you're in the Mostly Autumn family, you're in, aren't you? It's, uh, it's, it's really good the way it works. Well, honestly, um, they are all good friends of mine and obviously my, well, I'm, 
my boyfriend is one of them. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's Andy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, right. um, so we were very connected and, yeah, there were lots of connections there and um, it will always be that way. So I think we'll always be good friends, um, yeah. whatever happens, but um, in terms of professional angles, really, yeah. my, my time is mostly sort of 95% taken up yeah. by the panic room. It really well, pa- well, well, Panic Room are making strides now, aren't they? I think, you know, getting a little bit more profile, moving up that ladder, so it's it's important yeah. that you build on that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I, it's basically, that's what takes most of my time up, and, you know, myself and the band, you know, we, we spend so much time promoting ourselves. We, we just have to, you know, it has to be the main focus, so... Yeah. Um, to go back to t- today, Blanche, obviously you've got more scheduling problems because you've got kind of three different projects. Um, is Mr. So-and-so a going concern again now? Um, it, 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 it never stopped. Well, no, I'll, no, I'll rephrase well, that. It, it stopped it when you couldn't find a drummer. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, um, So-and-so's a funny, it's a funny thing, So-and-so, because commercially it's never been a particularly successful thing. If if I think about it, if I'm honest, it's the least successful thing I've ever been involved in musically, um, in terms of revenue, if you like, from what we do. Um, But it's it's, it's always been rewarding, you know, that I still listen to these albums. I had Two Lies and Half Lies on in the car the other day, and... Yeah. I'm really proud, really proud of, of the stuff we've done. But I think the rest of the band knew they could see what was looming and the fact that I was I was busy working with Steve and then I did got the panic room thing and then now my solo thing as well. And also I've been doing some other I've been doing some some studio work for different producers as well. So it got to the point where so and so couldn't really exist. It was illogical mm-hmm. for me to just ditch the things that were 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 doing a lot of good for me if you like and um we basically we just put it in some kind of induced coma until yeah until such time we come back to it it's not dead though it's definitely not dead i, I spoke to sean over um the new year christmas in the year and and we, we still we're all still mates you know I, I, like, i've known sean for, for at least a thousand years <laughs> and um it's strange sometimes because um, I'm so I learned how to be a musician with Sean and mm. Sean as well and um, I do kind of miss being in a room with them there will come a point where it, we do come back we, we've been talking about per, perhaps doing a one-off gig this year and it has you know that might happen possibly at the Citadel to be honest we've been thinking about it mm-hmm. is it is it is it true that Stu has uh, decided to come back on uh, drums should he be required well, yes, he left. When we did the last show, we made the announcement, and then we did the last show, I think it was at the, the Cambridge Festival. Yeah. yeah. And um, surely, had, we'd all kind of, there was a lot of things happening with everyone's personal lives, and it just got to the point where it was it was an extra stress for everybody. And it was, um, Stewie was the first one, he was the one whose who's kind of pressure valve went and, and said, listen, I'm going to have to leave this. But we have all been in a room a couple of times since with our instruments and Stewie was there so if there is another so-and-so gig Stewie will be on the kit right yeah that's good Um, I think really one of the things that disillusioned you a bit was the the lack of success of the Truth Lies and Half Lies album wasn't it because it was such a strong album and I remember we did a really long interview about it uh, in 
uh, your house. I think it went dark while we were talking about it. it was, yeah. Um, and you know, a big feature about it, but it never really took off, did it? Which is. It was. It, 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 well, you have to. Our expectations. You, you know, you manage your expectations with these things. It was done on on a really nominal budget. You know, mm. even even by. You know, the, the, there's a, a clutch of bands who are all doing albums for, for in, the, in the small thousands, which is trying try to do an album and, and get out and press mm -hmm. the CDs mm -hmm. for two, three thousand quid is, is really hard. And it's normally what, what bands like us have, have got as a budget. So given that really narrow budget, and when we ended up with a product like True Lives and Half Lives, which also had this incredible artwork on the front of it as well. Yeah. It, it, I knew it wouldn't do particularly. It was never going to be Dark Side of the Moon, but I was a bit surprised that that it didn't. We couldn't get it in some of the bigger publications. You know, some of the bigger magazines weren't didn't have time for us, and it was a shame because some of the people who were who who, who were involved in these publications actually got back to me and said that they really liked the album. They've had it on. They liked pretty much everything that was on it. And there's still time for it to get bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slow burner. Yeah. It just never got the coverage. And you know, I um, I spend quite a lot of time using social media, using particularly Facebook. And every time I I repost something like Bipolar from from Sugar Stealer or or I'll repost Apophis from the last album. And the, the positivity from it's enormous. And yet, you know, we didn't sell enough albums to, to recoup, I don't think, you know. Yeah. Well, I think um, I think the plan is to uh, to play a Panic Room track now, so I'll... Um, uh, uh, do you want to do that now, Michelle? Do you want to go to that? Yeah, that would be lovely. Do you want to um, say anything about the song uh, before I play it? It's fantastic. Thank you so much for playing this song. And actually, it, it's a song which the band finds particularly challenging to play live. <laughs> 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 it's really heavy and it's great. We love playing it live. And I think it will probably be featured on the, on the tour in the UK tour coming up in March, April, May. Okay. Well, we'll go to the song now and maybe talk a bit about it when we come back. Thank you. Okay. Okay, fantastic. So now we're going to play um, the song Dark Star by Panic Room. Here we go.
Talking against myself coming back in the headphones about oh no it's it's gone all right now. <laughs> I was getting myself coming back at myself about two seconds later, which is impossible to talk over. <laughs> right, more gremlins in the system, fantastic. Um, yeah, that that was of course from the Satellite album, which yeah. many people still think is uh, is your best album. Thank you. I, um, I, I mean, the track Satellite itself was, I seem to recall, was uh, voted uh, Track of the Year at the CRS Awards a few years back. Yes. That's the the yeah. Classic Rock Society, if anyone doesn't know. Yes, it's one of your awards, yeah, yeah, it has, it has, which is amazing, um, because when we first wrote the song, it, it was such a, a simple song, really, and then it became something so much bigger than we expected, but it, it has become one of the uh, biggest, iconic, iconic songs. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's it's magnificent live, magnificent live. Thank you, thank you. It, it's uh, it, it's it's one of those where it builds and builds, and on a good night, it just seems to keep to spiral up into the rafters and just keep going, and it gets everybody up there. It's it's a it's a marvelous song, I think. Thanks. I think you say it's superb. It's 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 one that you can't get away without playing, isn't it? Really, it's a bit like your. Um, Stairways of Heaven or Paranoid, isn't it? You smoke <laughs> on the water. You've so. got to do satellites or they'll, they'll, they'll there, are, it. there are some shows when we don't play it and then we, we do hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's best that we do play it. Yeah, yeah. A, nice, a nice problem to have. Um, <laughs> but, uh, of, of course, uh, <clears throat> we've, we've got to talk a little bit about uh, with Dave about uh, the other thing you've got on, which is the Steve Rothery band, of course, which yeah. is, I mean, that's a big thing for you, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's um, it's 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 surreal sometimes because I I was talking to one of my friends over Christmas and, and I I have really vivid memories of watching Top of the Pops, wishing that I was in a band with Steve Rothery, <laughs> watching Marillion. I remember watching Marillion doing um, I think it was Sugar Mice on Top of the Pops, and I was mesmerised. I, I love Steve's playing, you know, from from. Theme from I think the first album I heard was probably Fugazi, and um, so to end up going from that point to being his writing partner on his first solo album is is, is mm. uh, you know I, I do get goosebumps thinking about it. It is really cool, um, and it's a joy working with Steve. He's so he's an incredibly brilliant guy in every department, Steve, um, mm. and he, everyone knows. Because he's God, of course. But everyone knows he's a brilliant guitarist. <laughs> but he's he's he's, um, he's he's amazingly easy to to work with as a as a writer as well. He's really open to ideas. You know, I, I, it's one of the things where I always, you know, everyone has this these dreams that they can go and work with the likes of, for me, Peter Gabriel or somebody like that. And you 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 wonder what they're going to be like if you're going to be collaborating with them. And Steve. It didn't feel like we were... It wasn't hard work. Ghost of Pripyat was written, and I'm not kidding, was written about, in total, six hours. <laughs> and it was just Jesus. so easy. It was just so easy. Yeah, of, of course, um, you'll be, you're going to be playing at the uh, the CRS Awards in uh, in March. 
Yeah, yeah. Should be a, that should be a cool evening. Yeah, yeah. It's good because the um, the English shows. Uh, you know, we've done some really good English shows with the, the with, with the um, Steve Rothery band. I, I remember that we did a band on the wall in Manchester that was unbelievably good. It sticks in my mind that. So I'm hoping that you know that these Northern English gigs. You know, the, the, there's something about some of these venues. And um, I'm hoping the CRS is going to be somewhere anywhere near as loud as everybody was at the band on the wall. But I think also, personally, like as a just a, a fan of, of you know the the other stuff, and so I think really the music is so modern. It's it's kind of forward looking as well. That that's what surprises me. Oh, that's a nice thing to say. No, it really is. Yeah. It really is. It, it you know it's incredibly fresh and original and that's what you know when we go and see the guys playing it we're really proud because it's just something so different and it really is genuine genuine oh, innovative cool. and you know with what Dave's doing also Steve's ideas you know it's it's just yeah it's incredibly fresh and original and you know it it's what I want to be listening to right now yeah. well thank you very much but that the the pretext to, to you know the, the the kind of the mission of what we were doing. Steve said he wanted to make something that was an instrumental album that yeah. didn't sound like a shred fest. It didn't sound like it isn't, yeah, yeah. It isn't. And it's hard to do that, you know, because you have to uh, Steve because of his phrasing and because of his musicality, he can carry a, a song along just just as his, he's the voice. Yeah. And it's hard. Uh, it is really, uh, you know, you, there are very few players who can do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's a, point, that's a point I was going to make. There, it's it's kind of like doing an instrumental that you can sing, if you like. Yeah. A bit like uh, Sylvia by Focus. That's the classic example. Oh yeah. You know, where you, you can know. just sing the guitar work, and that's that's the same kind of thing that I think Steve does in his yeah. his work. Well, that's one of his mantras, to be honest. It's kind of like he isn't happy if you can't sing something <laughs> back. And yeah. he's dead right. He's absolutely spot on because, you know, as guitarists, I know, I know, and every guitar player, every rock guitarist knows that we all like playing stuff quick because there's always that rock star in all of us. But, <laughs> but it's having the, the, um, the foresight to realise that, you know, when you come back to playing this, you want somebody to be whistling parts. Like if you listen to a Queen track, um, you know, you, you listen to Bohemian... You watch non-musicians listening to Bohemian Rhapsody and they all know the guitar solos. Mm. My yeah. dad knows the guitar solo to Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and it's, that's, that's really how things like that should be. They shouldn't just be about somebody musically spinning plates. There should yeah. be something that contributes something to the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You listen to an album by somebody, you know, I, I don't know, Ingrid Malmsteen or something like that, and you, you know, sometimes you, you know, your jaw drops at the playing, but at the end of it, you can't remember any of it. Well, you know, yeah, you're right, and Andre's he's an amazing player. They, they, all of these players, like, you know, there's a new breed of them that are coming out, which which are great players, and some of them are musical as well. But if you look back traditionally at what what um, some of the instrumental albums were, and even some of my favourite instrumental albums, like I love some of the Vice stuff, um, but I can't sing any of it back. No. <laughs> I like it because I'm a guitarist, but I can't whistle. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, so anything else that we want to, before we've just got, we've probably got about two or three minutes now, um, anything else you want to talk about the, the upcoming plans for Panic Room? New material, that sort of thing? Ah, yeah, uh, okay, so, well, we are out on the road in March and April, May, June, so we'll have some live shows. The first show we're playing is in March at the Milton um, Keynes Stables, um, so we're doing some British shows in the spring, and then um, we, we should be recording uh, a show in the summer. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't mentioned it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm learning about this. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're intending to actually film a live DVD um, in June, so that's cool. And, uh, and then later in the year, we'll be um, actually recording our first um, full album with Dave. With the Dave. Yeah, with the Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's actually gonna be. What I think I, I would call it Panic Room Five. It'd be our fifth album, mm. proper album. Um, we did have Essence released a few months ago, but it was kind of acoustic album. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, there's it a lot going on in the next six months, basically. Superb. That sounds, sounds good. I think we've got about ten minutes. Is that about uh, the right time, Rob, for the uh, for wrapping up and playing the uh, the uh, other track that you've got lined up? Yeah, uh, yeah. Really that, that sounds quite long, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's an IQ track, so it's gonna. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have ten minutes, but yeah, yeah, the not ten minutes long, but we have a. A very uh, finite amount of time on the on the radio stream here, and um, we just want to make sure that we can give a proper closeout to the show. I wish we could talk to you guys for longer. You guys have been fantastic. Thank you so much. It's lovely to hear from you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you, and um, yeah, from Rob and Crystal and Steve and myself, Michelle. Thank you guys. Wish you. Um, really great success this year. Sounds like you have some amazing things happening. Yep. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I look, I look forward to seeing you again in the, at the awards, Dave. I'll see you, Marie, as soon as possible. Thank you. Cheers. Good night. Thank you. See you. Bye. Right, cheers. Good night. Thank you. Okay, so, um, Rob? Yeah. Um, did you want Crystal to do the review, or should I just play the song because we're running short on time? Crystal's that's a new album. Well, album honestly, right I, 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 don't, I don't have it in front of me. My 19-year-old son typed it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, but I, I did um, really enjoy it. Um, I love, um, it's very melodic. Um, and I, I love that it is, um, I, you guys mentioned earlier, the storytelling. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. 
I think, Rob, it's good idea if if, uh, if you give us some thoughts on that because you're the yeah. arch IQ fan, and how do you yes. feel that Rhoda Bones <laughs> fits into uh, their work? I haven't heard it all, but what I've heard of it, it sounds quite heavy. Yeah, it is. Uh, kicks off with a really heavy track, then then you get into the title track, and it slows down a bit. Then it really kicks in later into the track. Next track is pretty Genesis in style. Uh, it's like I'd say around about a uh, cute kind of era, Genesis. Uh, for me though, for me though, the greatest track on the album is on the, the special edition on the second disc, which is Constellations. And you, you see a lot of people on on Facebook, you know, Constellations. Constellations is the track on the album. That's only on the that's only on the second disc, not on the regular album. Crazy. Yeah. I know you've heard Constellations, but it's, uh, to me that's that's I one of the great tracks, IQ tracks of, of many a year. Yeah. Well, to, to put you on the spot, Rob, what's your favourite IQ album? Oh, that's the easiest say ever. That's what? Ever, 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 ever is so... It's easy to say ever because that was at a point in my time, point in my life where, where I was... Uh, I was living in a, a a very nice situation, and uh, that album was the, that album was a recent album at the time, and uh, you know it just it just fitted in with my life perfectly at that time. And it's, right. And it's that album. It's a kind of it's a kind of IQ album. I think it's the IQ album that gels from start to finish. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know it's, what I mean? It's absolutely. Yeah, it's a strong album, yeah. I think, if I had to vote, I think I would possibly go for Dark Matter. I think that's a fantastic album. Yeah, uh... I wish we had more time, you guys, but... Robert? Robert, I don't have much time left to play the song, so I think we should just go right into it. Let's go into it now, yeah. So, this is for Christ's I just want... I just want to say yeah. before we do that it wasn't contrived. It wasn't contrived. That what I was trying to say is, is we played the palace and it was a wedge into which Steve will know what I mean by yes. that. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna play not, for Crystal's sake. For Crystal's sake, yeah, we're gonna need to record for Crystal's sake. For for the festive <laughs> season and for Crystal, our co-host. Here we go, everybody.
Okay, this is the end of our first ever podcast for Grog and Prague. I want to thank so much Rob for coming up with the concept and putting all of the producing work together and Steve and Crystal for your amazing contributions to the show. I wish we had longer, but unfortunately, the clock is ticking down, so thank you very much. I'm going to play our uh, we'll, out soon. Here we go.